Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. The estimated tuition at a specific dental school, I won't say which one, uh, with considering four years of tuition plus accrued interest and living expenses came out to $700,000 at the end of four years. And, uh, and I said to him, I said, well, look, you know, let's say you don't just go be a general dentist. Um, let's say you end up going to oral surgery program as well, where you're losing anywhere from four to six more years um, uh, of time uh, to compound interest again. So, so, and a lot of times in the middle of that six-year program, you're doing two years of medical school, also at another, let's say, $100,000 uh, as well with accrued interest. And so you're almost accumulating a million dollars of debt plus, uh, you know, the accrued interest. And I don't know what student interest rates go for now. I know that the um, refinancing options are a lot better nowadays, but, uh, you know, just imagine even if you can get your student loan at say three and a half percent interest after refinancing, it's still $35,000 a year of unrecoverable money that you have to make oh. up the difference on. <laughs> How about the fact that that is not a deductible expense? Exactly. Now, for you to pay uh, $70,000, you have to earn 140. Absolutely. You know, so that's real, real dollars, you know. Right. So, and, and if you don't go the route of Specialty, you know, you're just, a, you know, a, a general dentist, and you have seven hundred thousand dollars of debt, and you're making money off of fifty dollar extractions. Uh, you're never going to get out from, you know, working for somebody else, and uh, that, that's, you know, that's real hard. Uh, that's real hard to uh, to say, uh, you know, how to how to approach that. So, so the guidance I've been giving the student that's shadowing me is be mindful of these things. Um, I do think, uh, at least I hope, that um, with the uh, issues that have been created because of COVID, that the universities uh, may have some uh, more understanding means of educating students without inundating them with, uh, with the kind of debt that there is. Because, you know, you come in smart enough to become a dentist, but you leave with a shackle around your neck if you don't. Uh, don't have it uh, managed properly, and you know. And, and I'll just say right now, if anybody uh, who listens to this podcast wants to listen uh, to me or wants to contact me, I can provide my contact information so that I can, you know, help them through that because that's that's a real hard thing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. oh, and that, oh, and that's actually one other thing too. Before I became a dentist, one of the jobs I had was that I sold mortgages very briefly, so I learned how to use. Mortgage calculator really well, <laughs> uh, and uh, it helped me to make my decision to try to pay off school faster. So, okay, fantastic, and we're going to put that in the show notes. So sure. uh, we'll put your contact information. Thanks for offering that. Absolutely. Um, and as well, I'll put mine. Uh, mine's out there, so that's fine. All right, so let's get into now. Uh, let's shift to a little more positive news. You buy the practice. It's January 2020. You're in it three months, bam, COVID, right? Talk about 
just talk about um, a little bit of a what was your strategy for those three months because you talked we talked a little bit before the show of some of the things that you were going to implement uh, some cost saving things and some other things um, let's talk about that a little bit and then I want to talk about what was your philosophy as you moved into this practice was it just to keep things exactly the way they were with the, pre the previous doc or were you going to try to add on certain services what was your, what was your strategy moving forward previous doc uh ran a bread and butter practice with no ortho no endo um very few extractions uh certainly the kind of gem that a lot of folks are looking for when they want to add services as a means of improving revenues and certainly i see that opportunity as well so fillings crown and bridge dentures you got it and some ex some extractions but not many the, the easy ones, the perio involved ones and all that. Uh, so, so those were things I looked at when I was looking at the original provider uh, productivity reports and everything. Uh, I looked at the fee schedule. Um, his fees were, let's put it this way, his fees were uh, low enough that the, uh, the uh, NDAS, which puts out your general fee schedule uh, averages for dentists by percentile, his uh, percentiles didn't even show up on the NDAS because they were so low. So that was, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's was it even 20%? <laughs> well, they only show 40% and above. Oh, okay. So they weren't even on the, the 40%. So, uh, so definitely 30% or below. Um, so there's that. Um, to get back to your question, my original intention was to change nothing at all for a whole year. Um, okay. one thing I was, and I knew that that would mean that I would probably take a financial hit. I think it was really intelligent to not be too greedy early on. Um, or I'll say, don't be, don't ever be too greedy, but, uh, just cut where you know you can cut. Um, so for example, um, I had noticed things like, um, where he was making his purchases. Uh, he was buying through some of the uh, more traditional companies that, uh, um, that sold dental products. And so I would find alternative places that would sell those things for 25% you know, of the cost and never do it on the important stuff, on the product you know, that you're selling. But you know, things like, I'll give you one perfect example. Um, and, you know, again, your time is the most important part, but this was an example of something that stood out to me. Um, we use headrest covers that uh, are essentially plastic garbage bags. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the uh, company that he had been buying them was selling them for $95 for a thousand. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, and I looked at them, tried to say, uh, were they specially shaped for headrest covering? No, they were literally like garbage bags. So I went to Costco and found a similar product. Uh, and for a thousand of it, it was only 14 bucks. So, uh, or uh, 20 bucks, it was 20 bucks. So, you know, and, and, you know, you might go, well, okay, fine. You're, you're saving uh, 75 bucks. That's uh, great. But you know, how many times are you going to do that with garbage bags? But if you do that for other things as well, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'll say it this way it is advantageous to do a little shopping around. And I think the cost savings over the course of the year, just by buying products that, um, mm -hmm. that don't reflect in your dentistry, um, saving on those things, save about 30 to $40,000, you know, so Again, real money, real That's money, real money. That's big dollars. You know, it, it's big dollars. It's big. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you want to share your, your numbers, but in terms of, of, of perspective, uh, do you want to give a percent? Like what kind of percent that is? Um, 30, 30,000. Let's just say it's 2,500 bucks a month. Uh, I'll say, let me think about this. The future of fee for service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. I'll say that it cut my overhead monthly by about 30%. That's huge. That's huge. 
Just that's money. Just that's money in your pocket. Basic things. Yeah. That's money in your pocket. That's real. It's just, so, it's, so that was, so that was a strategy. That okay. was one strategy. Got to um, be a little bit of economics in there. So good. there was, yeah. Yeah. Smart. So, <laughs> so you're, you're, you're looking at that and uh, what the, other things? Well, so I think that it's very easy to, um, try to focus on being a saver. Saving is always a, I'll say a good positive, um, and I'll use this word, defensive approach towards um, ensuring a good uh, profit margin. But sometimes you need to spend money to make money. Uh, at the time when I acquired the practice, they were using a software program that was not particularly good, and they were using it only uh, at the front desk to do billing. The operatories were still using files, and um, you know, uh, because I was only working three days a week as a doc, I was doing one day a week, you know, just getting practice stuff, you know, up and running as an administrator. At the time, I thought it was a bad idea, but it actually turned out to be a great idea because I got to watch until COVID hit all of the pitfalls of where things were being lost and you know where things were being wasted. And so uh, one thing I'd noticed, for example, was that because they had this bottleneck uh, of um, the front desk having the only computer that you could do scheduling and billing from, um, it really uh, messed up a lot of uh, uh, opportunities for the hygienists, one, to schedule their own appointments, which takes some of the burden off the front desk, two, ensure their schedule was full, uh, and then three, uh, it helped to ensure that they were getting paid for what uh, they were doing. Because before the patient left the room, you would just click on, you know, oh, this is what I did today. And then the front desk would confirm that. Whereas before, they had, okay, written down, okay, uh, FMX, um, you know, Profi uh, and uh, Fluoride. Okay, fine. And then they bring it to the front desk. And sometimes the hygienist would forget that they did the fluoride or sometimes mm -hmm. the person at my front desk uh, when writing the um, the insurance bill, uh, you know, billing to insurance would forget to add it. So there was actually that trip up. And so um, during COVID, although I wasn't going to change anything, not even the computer and all that, I decided, you know, I got to go with the program that's going to keep all of that in there. And the second I introduced the program, we go back up uh, away from COVID, uh, my hygienist saw an immediate jump in salary so substantial that one of them was like, are you joking me? Like, how is this possible? I said, hey, I didn't, I didn't do anything different. I just made sure that everything you did got, got billed for properly. <laughs> so, so you said they saw a, a, a salary increase. Are they being paid on percent of what they're doing? Yes, they're being paid on percentage. So was, so, was uh, that that was with the doc before you then? Yes, yes. I okay, well, the staff that uh, I would not change anything in terms of their compensation, except for they were paid on straight production and I, I made it adjusted production. That's the only difference. Mm -hmm. Okay, so do you mind sharing what your, what your numbers were, what, you, what you're paying percent, percentages? Uh, percentage not to say what they're making, but what kind of percent are they making as I do? 35% of production, which, you know, I think a lot of people would say is on the high side. Uh, you know, I've heard everything from, you know, and, and again, this is, you know, depending on who you talk to, um, some people will say, uh, oh, you should be paying them hourly and, uh, you know, keep it capped. Others saying percentage, but 35 is too high. You know, in the end, uh, you know, you do have to treat people like, you know, these are not just, these are not just numbers, although the numbers is what ends up becoming what you analyze at the end of the day. But, you know, I think, uh, I think an excellent hygienist is really worth their weight in gold. And what that means is that, well, what do I mean by an excellent hygienist? Take the cleaning teeth part out and take the pre-diagnostic stuff in, take the, uh, early hand-holding and the early um, uh, gentle, tender care, and especially in a transitioning situation where it's a new doctor, at least there's that familiarity which draws you into, if there is a change, well, it's not an end of the world change. 
And although they would say, oh, you know, I'm here to see the old doctor, the reality is they're here to see their old friends who've been cleaning their teeth for a long time. Um, I'm fond of saying that uh, to my staff, I'll use this phrase, I, I say, you know, forget for a minute that we're doing dentistry and uh, pretend for a second that, uh, you know, we are running a restaurant, uh, you know, that sells everything from pancakes to filet mignon. Um, I don't care what the patient ends up coming out with, you know, I mean, yeah, we can all be excited if everyone orders filet, but as long as they come out happy having eaten their pancakes and uh, telling 10 friends to come here for their pancakes or for filet, we're going to do okay. And uh, I think that's a good general philosophy because you, know, you can't push crowns on people if they don't need them and you shouldn't, you know, it's not ethical. Um, but, you know, you can certainly treat people like gold. And I think that's really the crux of where fee-for-service really has to make a difference uh, to folks. You know, um, they need to see that difference. And uh, it comes from little places. You know, one thing, for example, is I give everyone my cell phone number. It's not my real cell phone number. It's a, it's a separate app that I use that, um, that allows patients to call it so that I can screen calls better. Um, and, uh, but, but also in a town like uh, my town, which is a very uh, older fashioned town uh, where um, you know, a lot of my patients are older, they appreciate having somebody who's you know, being able to be reached. It has also a huge advantage living only five minutes away because you know, if, someone's, you know, if someone's in a bind uh, and you know, you're just you know, sitting at home, you know, scratching your head, doing nothing, Hey, I'll go into the office for an hour and, oh, guess what? You need a root canal. Fantastic. And a post-core crown. Well, the fact that you came in really makes people feel uh, special to you. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, you may be only getting, you know, the, the um, exam fee for that day, but you're really setting yourself up for, you know, three weeks from now when you're doing that root canal and post-core crown. So, you know, so having those really help out. I'm a I'm thousand percent on board with that, by the way. And you you know that because we talked about this um, sure. the other day. So sure. let let me ask you another question. So you said, okay, I'm not changing anything, right? So and you 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 did your fee analysis and it was it was down in the curve. Now, when you changed by putting the computer system in and you started actually getting paid for the services you were actually providing, what jump came in your hygiene numbers? production-wise? Um, so what I'll say is... Uh, now, you did change your fees, right? Uh, so what I did, uh, so when COVID hit the first month in Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, was, you know, they started off, oh, it'll be just two weeks. And then they added a week. Yeah. And they yeah. added another week. And then finally, uh, halfway through April, they said it'll be all the month of May. Mm -hmm. That first month, I didn't do anything. I was just sitting at home. You know, the transition was... Uh, challenging, you know, getting used to understanding how billing works and, you know, what the day sheets look like and all that. That was a real challenge, um, especially because I was learning it off of how the original owner's wife, who was the manager behind the scenes, was doing it. And uh, I had seen already because of where I worked at and through research and everything that there was a way more efficient way to do everything. I mean, she was taking, she actually, um, they had a time clock for people punching in and out. And just spending the time to calculate the hours on that manually was taking up so many hours. And I'm like, you know what? Every, every computer software program has this and can just print it out instantly. And so, so when Illinois announced that all of May was gonna be closed, I said, I gotta seize the opportunity. There's no opportunity like this. If there were changes, everything from renovation to computers, I would have to shut down at some point anyway. I may as well use it. So during the month of May, uh, we switched to Open Dental. Um, I bought a server. I got additional computers that I needed. Um, I got the IT guy to set them all up. Um, I also painted the office. Uh, you know, the, you know, I figured well I wasn't making any money, and you know, if, if it looked really bad, I guess I could have paid someone else. But I had no other job, so I became a painter for a month, um, and. Uh, you know, and uh, it was kind of fun doing that uh, at times because it was quiet and no one would bother me. And still, I'd be here at times when, you know, we could be open for that emergency patient and they, you know, appreciated that I was 
care for them during you know a time when uh, Illinois said that dental offices were not essential. They have since mine. I'm grateful. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. So um, in terms of the jump, oh, and I will say we did raise our fees modestly, uh, and I'm glad we did because obviously there were fee increases uh, to gloves and other PPEs and you know the filters and all those things came into play. So I'm glad we did that. Um, I'll say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have a specific. A specific yeah, just kind of, just trying to get an idea of just by changing the charting and the billing portion, you know, just, just even if you just off the top of your head, give me a, a ballpark of what do you think that's meant to your hygiene? Now you have a fee increase, so that's going to count for, let's say 5%, right? But just by catching things, if you did, if you catch a fluoride a day, right? And let's say fluoride is twenty dollars. It's five days, hundred dollars a week. You know, times months, four hundred dollars a month. Times twelve months, it's five thousand dollars found yeah. revenue, right? right? Or X-rays. You know, and X-rays is a, di a bit different number. It's, there's got to be a certain number because you said they saw a huge, huge jump. I think, right? I think between the increase in fees and catching all the things that weren't getting caught. Um, my hygienist saw an increase in salary of probably about 20%. And, and did you see an Well, so that meant you saw an increase in your numbers by at least 20%, right? Right, on the hygiene. Yeah. And you, you didn't raise your fees 20%, so. No, not at so all. So that's, 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 again, that's just smart business practice, right? When I was, I was actually afraid to raise fees, uh, which yeah. I think dentists are, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, the fee-for-service model, uh, it's funny because, uh, you know, social media, I think, makes it, um, you know, makes it out to be like the, the sky is falling and if you're fee-for-service, you're never going to survive. And, yeah, you're going to be extinct like a dinosaur. Right. And I, I, I will say that uh, that's probably not a fair assessment, um, at least not my experience. I mean, maybe in the long run, that might be, uh, you know, a, a slowing down of fee for service may come into play, but, you know, and again, akin to the uh, uh, restaurant business, you know, a lot of times I'll tell people, you know, fine, you can go to all these different dentists. If you compare it to like a burger places, there's always going to be room for that burger place that, you know, sells a burger for 15 bucks and people will pay it. And there will always be room for people who will pay for the $8 burger. And there will always be room for the one dollar burger, but the problem is that if you are a um, if you are a person selling one dollar burgers, you have to sell fifteen of them to match the one high quality burger that uh, the other restaurant is. Running. I think the trick in fee for service is always being that high quality, but it's got to suit it's got to suit your area. Um, my office. Well, let let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but. You did bring up the NDAS schedule with this fee increase. Now, did you at least get on a fee schedule somewhere? Are you 40% now? A couple of our fees are now 40%. <laughs> oh, congratulations. A couple, a couple of them. But, uh, still, is, still really on the low side. So God bless. Still on the low side. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that, uh, again, it, I think that um, one has to consider as a dentist, uh, what is really important and valuable to you? I tend to be a very low maintenance guy. My office is in a blue collar area with where if there's anything I use that's too showy, it could turn people off, even if it's uh, in the dental world, the greatest things in sliced bread. Um, you know, the perspective a lot of people have is that, oh, that new machine, geez. Uh, well, I guess you're charging me more for it to be there. and uh, you know, and although it may be advantageous to them for clinical dentistry, they don't care if it's a newfangled uh, device that, you know, will, you know, fix it all for them. Um, they just want to know that they're being cared for and cared about in an honest and understandable kind of way. And uh, so, so that works out uh, pretty well. Um, I am considering raising fees again, uh, just to match the annual change and to get up to a more um, regular one, but again, you know, I, there's only so many things that you, um, 
can focus on and control at a given time. Um, I think it's important that everyone goes uh, maybe monthly to look at everything in their office to say, okay, well, this seems good or bad. You know, think of it as a uh, as a well a well tuned machine that uh, you do have to take its pulse on um, fairly frequently. And that again is not a dentist skill. That's just a skill you have to learn um, in order to make it run. Dentistry is sort of the byproduct of what you do. Let me, let me ask you a question now. Just, yeah. I have two big ones I, I got to get to. I, I promise I got I to learn a little more about your study club. But oh, sure. um, let's go back. You bought a practice. You went to the bank, I'm assuming. So you have some financing in place. Yes. Um, you have family. Um, you have your own personal obligations. Now you buy this practice. Okay. You've got plans. You're going to start looking at your expenses. You're into it literally three months, right? Things are starting to gel a little bit. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong at this point. All of a sudden, bam, we hit COVID. Now you've got this obligation financially. And all of a sudden you've got nothing coming in. At what, at, at, give, me, give me some insight into your mindset at that point in time what helped you cope or deal with it, right? And how did you kind of say, you know, how, how did you get yourself to the point where I'm gonna be okay? Because now you have a real situation where it's like, hey man, um, this, is, this, is, this is a challenge, right? So, so I'll say sure. that, that story starts years before the purchase. Um, again, relationships. So uh, I talked to a lot of different banks uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll say that the majority of dentists are not schooled in finance. Uh, and I'll say that, you know, with my experience with the mortgage industry, mm -hmm. uh, Huge. One, I'll say that at least the one eyed man in the land of the blind. Um, but <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good to meet all of these different bankers because you know, and again, these are things I learned when I was selling mortgages too, uh, is that, uh, you know, some people get very fixated on certain aspects of their loan, like, oh, well, what's my rate? Well, that's great, but what did you pay to get that rate? You know, what are you, what terms do you need? You need to know terms. If you don't know your terms, mm -hmm. you know, points, uh, uh, whether you can pay it back early or not. Yep. Um, early payment penalties, yep. Um, and so, you know, it was very important that I established relationships with banks. And I'll tell you, I got to talking with maybe four or five different banks. I know a lot of people, you know, wanted to stick to the brand name and say, oh, you know what? Um, yeah, go with, you know, ABC Bank because blah, 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 blah. I got a guy, you know, people, people get proud of this sort of like, oh, yeah, I know, you know, he helped me. And you know, it's funny, um, a friend of mine, um, his, uh, he's actually an accountant by training, he's a teacher, but got a CPA as well. Um, his wife was buying a veterinary practice at the same time I was buying this practice. And so I'm like, well, which bank did you go with? And he said, well, I went with so-and-so bank. And I said, well, what? And, then, and then vice versa. And he said, well, I'm an accountant, I know better. I said, okay, really? Well, let's see here. And I shared him with the bank that I used and within <laughs> of talking with that bank, he switched to the bank that I had suggested, right? So yes, exactly. <laughs> and in doing that, we did the math because we're you know just nerds like that. And I guess just in those phone calls, I saved him about 20 grand. So uh, yep, yeah. I hear you. And so, so you were negotiating, as you were purchasing your practice, you were negotiating with several banks for your financing options, correct? That's what you're yes. saying? But what I found, uh, and again, uh, the perspective over time was that I needed a bank. Um, like I said, I'm the one-eyed man in the land of the blind. I needed a bank that still could hold my hand. And the reason for that is because, um, and, and the phrase that was used um, was uh, that the banker ultimately said that, uh, that got me to go with him. Um, I mean, there was all the terms and everything, and I'll mention the big one coming up soon, but uh, um, he said that my job begins when you sign the loan, not ends. 
And so that was really, really good perspective on what kind of help I would be getting afterwards. And so ultimately I went with the bank. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I should be advertising it or not, but you know, I'll just say yeah, I went with a bank that, uh, that uh, um, did, uh, that I did sign with, did give me the best terms, uh, the best interest rates. Um, they ultimately paid for my, uh, my appraisal on the building, because I also bought the building here. And um, the big thing, and especially when COVID hit, this came in and not all banks offer this, and this is the big term that I really recommend, is that they offered that there was no repayment on the practice loan until nine months in. So, so this was nice because, uh, you know, obviously three months in is when COVID hit, but I didn't have to pay back that practice loan at all. So I just had to pay the building loan for those months, which was mm -hmm. fine. Still gladly accrued the interest. And then when things came back, they charged me for it. But that's, uh, that's how I was able to have a little bit of a reprieve. But uh, so, so you started day one not paying the practice loan, or you kicked that in after three months? Starting day one, I, I'll say I did not pay my practice loan until October. Okay. I didn't have to. And Interesting. Uh -huh. The thing is that um, they, when COVID hit, they said, okay, everybody gets a breather. And I, so then I called my bank and I said, well, is this a breather on top of the breather you gave to me of nine months? <laughs> Can I, I double dip? Yeah. <laughs> no double dipping, which, okay, fine. Uh, but, uh, but still, uh, it was good to have that. And they gave that to me before COVID was ever an issue which was a really nice perk because, you know, say, um, you know, you have no idea how the flow of the practice is going to be. You know, I could have walked in here and all the patients go, yeah, I really don't like you because you're an idiot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. you have no idea. Leaving, right. And so my revenues yeah. could have immediately dropped and, uh, and then I would have to know, okay, well, I have to figure out somehow, somewhere, but at least it was nice to have that pillow uh, of a cushion. Yeah. The other thing that they gave to me as well was um, working capital, which was at the same interest rate as my original uh, practice loan. Yeah, and don't underestimate working capital value. Don't underestimate working capital. Yeah, most people do. They do, they do. Yeah. Well, and, and this was a debate because a lot of practice, um, a lot of, you know, the, the big debate that comes up on Facebook is, do I buy accounts receivable or do I not buy accounts receivable? And my good buddy who uh, um, was really helpful to me, he's like, well, I recommend you buy it. And then um, another good buddy of mine who's also good, I don't recommend you buy it. And ultimately in my practice, I decided not to buy it in order to avoid the increase in the ultimate debt that I would have. And thankfully, um, you know, the uh, working capital portion didn't have to be activated again until nine months in. And so if I could uh, eat what I killed, so to speak, and not have to dip into reserves, I never did. And only at the very last second, when they said, okay, you know what, um, you have only one day left to decide, only a week left to decide on whether you want this working capital, did I actually pull it? And again, the main reason was because it was at the same interest rates. And right now it's the most favorable interest rate environment we've had, I think, in ever uh, in, in American society. So, uh, you know, so, and I was debating it because again, you know, there's always gonna be competing forces when you're trying to make these decisions. And it's good to have advisors, but just remember at the end of the day, you're making your own bed, you have to sleep in it. And so um, my, my accountant, who's a dental only accountant said, uh, you don't want to take on any loans that, that you don't need, right? But then the real question, which he couldn't answer for me is, well, what do I really need? And so, um, so uh, the friend of mine who's uh, an accounting and finance major turned dentist said to me, what's your interest rate uh, for that extra working capital? I said, three and a half percent. And he said, just take it, man. Um, and certainly uh, for anyone who studies, uh, you know, just personal finance through YouTube and everything can say, well, even just looking at it from an inflationary standpoint, if inflation is annually going to be two to 3%, well then 
realistically your cost of borrowing that three at three and a half percent is really more like half a percent, you know, three percent. So I said, oh, fine, the hell with it and everything. And so now um, it's allowed me an opportunity to have that cash for you know buying you know uh, new equipment uh, and changes. Again, I try to be very conservative in terms of how I spend on those things. I wanted to get the feel of the practice to see that there was a demand for certain procedures before just starting to offer them. Um, and uh, you know, and actually on the flip side, again, getting into the financial side of it, um, I was able to squirrel away more money because I had this working capital on the side. And incidentally, um, you know, because of the way that the revenues are flowing right now, it just ends up being kind of just like a you know, kind of a, um, a cushion that if I need to dip into, I go, eh, okay. And if I don't, okay, that works out fine too. And, uh, and it worked out nicely because I did have to uh, make a rather substantial uh, payment to employees uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, specifically this guy, because uh, the first few months of the practice, I didn't pay myself at all because I wanted to have to build that. And finally, when I'm like, okay, I got to pay myself now, uh, I ended up dipping only a tad into that working capital, but it was nice to know, ah, no big deal. Cause it's, you know, the second my front desk collects that the following week, it'll be back. And so it didn't bother me too much. So it was nice. So great news. Share with people that are in the gloom and doom of post COVID or the COVID era, something that you share with me prior, please. So your 20, let's just say you, you had your 2019 numbers of what the practice was doing. And right now, share with them what you're on, on, on uh, projected to do for 2020 minus, now we missed two and a half months, right? So we call it two and a half months, three months is 25%. So let's say 20% of the year you've lost. Approximately, what are you looking to see on the positive numbers for 2020? The uh, projected for 2020 uh, should be about the same as 2019 in spite of being closed two months. And if uh, all holds true, and again, it's with the understanding that there was a backlog of patients during those closed months that we saw bigger numbers and everywhere they're going to say, oh, I had my best year, best months ever. But accounting for that and even going more conservatively on it, um, and I'll say even during our slowest of those months, if that was the number that we used as our average, we should still see an overall 20% gain next year in the practice. That's using oh. the slowest month as the average number. Right, and, and you said you're also thinking of raising your fees on top of that. Exactly. So, so you're, you're, not, you're, you're gonna wave at 20% as you're going to 30 plus, I, I predict you're gonna be in the 33, 35% range. I sure hope um, so. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, think about it. I know if you, if, you do, if you do the math and you're an economist, so you can help me with this, but uh, you know, a 20% loss in your, in your year and you're still maintaining your numbers, what does that really equal, right? It's, it's an algebra equation, right? And I still think that shows it's gotta be, a, you know, it's not exactly 20, it's probably a 25% growth for you to maintain that number at a 20% less productivity time-wise. You know, if you can keep your fingers on all the dials uh, in a sensible way, I mean, I'm not saying nickel and dime folks, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not saying pinch pennies. In the end, it's all relationships, whether it's your staff or uh, a patient. You treat staff badly uh, and think, oh, you're not worth, you know, 20 bucks an hour. Well, they're going to feel like crap and then go somewhere else. Pay them well. Pay your staff well. Don't ever make your support staff the reason why you've saved 100 bucks. You know, um, Oh, it's penny-wise, pound-foolish. It's, it's, it's really penny-wise and pound-foolish. Treat your staff extremely well. Yeah. If they don't know what they're doing, they, let's put this way. You have to know that they know what they're doing. And if they're not mm -hmm. right, you let them well, that's up to you. That's up to you. That's, that's your bird. Okay. You know, if you're, right. you're the owner, you're the, you're the captain of the ship. And, and if you have, 
you know, your first mate and your second mate don't know what their responsibilities are, ship's going to go down. But guess what? That's the captain's yeah. fault. Absolutely. You can get rid of the first or second mate, but if you don't give them their roles and responsibilities and train them, that's on you. You know, and I think Absolutely. it's so easy and you see these Facebook posts about what do I do with this employee, blah, blah, blah. You don't know the whole story and, and never does a dentist freely admit, you know, I blew this one. You know, I, I didn't spend the time training them. And we're seeing that a little bit with some of the new hires that we've introduced, you know, for dealing with some of the loss of employees with the COVID and some medical um, people that have to sit down and et cetera. So uh, you, you got to look inward first. That's, that's just my two cents. Um, so I promise you, I was going to ask you this because you talk okay. about a practice that's a bread and butter practice. You're not going to change many things yet. You're in this Inspire Study Club that talks about comprehensive cases. Sure. Tell me a little bit more about that. I'm guessing that this is inspiring you that you're planning on increasing that breadth of services going forward. But just tell me a little bit about the, the study club and what kind of things and anything you want to tell me about outside the box. I'm all over. Sure. Go ahead, please share. Well, uh, you know, so the study club, uh, I joined. Uh, I think my first year out of school, it was uh, um, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Bonk. He's a great, great guy. Um, he and several colleagues of his uh, were looking to uh, kind of just form a little group um, that uh, um, would uh, include both younger and older dentists. Uh, would discuss matters of everything from comprehensive care to patient psychology to administrative stuff, everything. Um, you know, discuss uh, complex cases, um, you know, all of these, you know, I mean, all these things that we all aspire to. And, um, and uh, honestly, I could probably talk a full hour just on all the things that we've covered with that study club. Um, but uh, um, the, uh, I think for me, um, one of the best things that it provided for me was the idea that um, you can do great dentistry for a lot of people uh, in, in ways where you can, you know, you could do those big heavy duty cases, which is something we discuss or not necessarily doing those things. But in the end, what the goal of the club to me has been, has been to create a dentist who knows how to think, and more importantly, knows how to convey those thoughts to the patient in a way that shows them that you care about them and the outcomes. You know, it's really, really, really easy to get fixated on the money. And don't get me wrong, it's a business. We all wanna be extremely successful. We all have our desires, uh, financial goals, all of these things. Um, and too often in my, uh, my adventures uh, during my associate years, uh, did it seem that uh, adventures? <laughs> adventures. Uh, did it seem that uh, the uh, the key indicator most dentists used to show how successful they were was just their income and uh, or their and, crown of bridge lab? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. You know, oh yeah, hey, oh well, I made four hundred thousand dollars. I'm awesome. Oh, you only made three. You suck. You know, it's just that, that kind of thing. I mean, I remember working. I was in a group practice where everyone bragged about their their fancy automobiles. This was my second year in practice, and I was driving an old beater I bought from my mother-in-law, and they're showing off their, you know, I don't even know, like <laughs> fancy fifty, seventy thousand dollar cars, and uh, and talking about it. And but the diagnostic styles were, I'll call it a very aggressive, um, in my opinion. And so, uh, so my study club uh, really showed me that well. Um, take a step back from uh, aggressive versus uh, uh, mm -hmm. conservative dentistry. Just take a step back and say, here's the problem. How do you solve it? In which ways? And okay, now let's pretend that that way is off the table. What else could you do? 
And what else could you do? And it's not just as simple as like, you're missing a tooth, do you put an implant? It'd be more like, hey, here's a tooth that maybe eight out of 10 dentists would say need to be taken out. Um, this person doesn't want to lose a tooth. How would you solve this? How would you resolve this? Or, you know, like the comprehensive cases, you know, for folks who have uh, really screwed up mouths, you know, you can have that conversation with them and not be afraid to say, well, orthodontics is the best first path. Um, and then perhaps some prosthetics as well as, uh, as well as um, you know, periodontal treatment for crown lengthening in order to get the prosthetics to look good. And to also not be afraid to say, well, this will cost this much, but if you select an alternative path, yes, it may be less expensive, but the results can only be so good. And so when patients clarify their goals to you, you know what realm to talk with them in. And when you can formulate those treatment plans in your head quickly enough, um, and, you know, and I use the analogies of um, an architect and uh, construction. Yes, they're both necessary parts of a similar field, but you do need to have your plans before you start to build. And I think that that's where dentists um, sometimes will go wrong. You know, we'll look inside a mouth and say, here's all the things wrong with you. And that'll be $20,000. And people go, well, I feel fine. You know, and that's the end of that. And they go, wow, that guy was really aggressive. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Whereas if someone comes to you and you ask them, well, what do you want? Well, what, why are you, what are you here for? Why, why did you come to me? Um, and- Homer uh, uh, Reed, co-diagnosis. Yes. And mm -hmm. you get them involved in the process. You, you show them pictures, uh, you show them, um, you know, well, you see this here and you see this there, and this is how it solves, and take the time with, you know, I mean, for patients who have more comprehensive needs, uh, you know, a five minute check when, in the hygiene room ain't gonna cut it. Um, you do need to pull them off to the side, and I don't even charge them for a follow-up visit because I say, you know, just because your mouth is more complicated doesn't mean you should get charged again. You know, and again, wise pound for what are you going to charge them? Another mm -hmm. 60 bucks? Well, well, charge them nothing. They'll feel like, wow, he took an hour of time. Mm -hmm. You'll make it back on the back end uh, through whatever it is that they end up doing with you. And yeah, don't step over pennies to pick, you know, step over pennies. Dollars step over dollars to pick up pennies. Thank right. you. Yeah, no, right. That's funny. And, and I'll it's, tell you. It's, and and you, could, you could look at any Facebook group and you can find, you know, those on their high horse and those et cetera. But I, I just think to me, your highlights to me on that point are a thousand percent what Linda Miles used to say. And I, it sticks in my head every single day. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I agree. I agree. That's, that's just it. And it, all, it comes down to that with your staff. It comes down to that with your patients. It comes down to that with your community. You know, the things, you know, we talk about like, you know, bake sales and, um, you know, Boy Scouts. And that's, that's really just showing that you care. You know, it's, 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 it's the same thing. It's just it's same a, exactly. It's a hard thing to do because, um, you know, we all want to be successful. Mm -hmm. and, you know, as much as we don't want to admit it, everything we, everything we do and everything we buy, there's some financial component to it, which can make it very hard because you're starting to look at, oh, should I pay for this? Should I not? Should I do this? It's to be mind numbing. And in the end, I think that uh, dentistry without the kind of comprehensive approaches, the out of the box thinking, the active involvement of the patient in the diagnosis in all of that, um, it, it ultimately creates a kind of dentistry that doesn't inspire uh, if, if you lack it. And, um, you know, you know, it's funny. I remember in dental school, someone, uh, you know, and uh, again, at different areas and aspects of our lives, we look back at the things we talked about and well, why would we even ask that now? Like, I remember uh, when I was in dental school, third year, someone said, oh, what's your favorite procedure to do? And uh, uh, what's the, your least favorite procedure to do? And after a while, uh, 
I said to myself, ironically enough, I said, if I really thought about it, it was fillings. And, uh, and I said, why? This is dentistry. Why would you ever say that? You know, maybe. So, what, you so know, one thing you can't refer out. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I realized it wasn't because I don't like fillings. It's because um, they can be very, uh, very routine uh, when you just think about it as, well, there's a hole, fill the hole, right? And here's how you fill the hole at the end. But if you think about it as a necessary part of this greater picture that you've created, you know, I mean, it'd be just as foolhardy to say, hey, what's your favorite, uh, or what's your least favorite spice to put on food? Well, uh, I don't know, pepper or something? Maybe? I mean, it's just dumb to say it that way. But if you don't have pepper and salt and the steak, you will never make a great steak. So uh, you've got to have all the little pieces there, even if one, yeah. you had to say, like, it's like saying, what's your least favorite child? Well, you, yeah. I mean, there's things yeah. about one kid that you may not appreciate as much or not, but yeah. not a great question, you know, yeah. just, you have to incorporate in the big picture. So. Yeah. All right, I'm going to wrap up. I got to ask you one one final question. This has nothing sure. to do with dentistry per se. Uh, I'm trying to ask this to everybody. So, okay. if you could go back in time to any time, what would it be, and why? Oh my gosh, I'd go back to high school and kick my own ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a wrap. <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, there's a lot of things where I go, what the hell were you doing? What were you thinking? What is wrong with you? I would, I would go back to high school and give myself the uh, uh, education of a lifetime. Let's put it. <laughs> wow, there's a lot to... Uh, a, oh, a that's lot great. On, so. <laughs> well, well, I, I want to, uh, Steve, I want to I thank you for your time. Uh, super you, enlightening. I'm sure we, I, we could talk for hours on that. There's so many sure. things that I want to I want to hit on. So don't be surprised if we do a little Shark Tank update and bring you back sure. in and get some more information. And uh, sure. I, I think you're going to kick ass and take names. Um, the sky's oh, the limit you. for you. You've been, a, you've been a great help to me too. So I really appreciate you, though. So. Uh, my my pleasure. And I think you're going to you know, as you look at your building, as you look at your your square your, your square footage and your plans and you know, you're, you're all, to me, you're only going to be limited by your imagination. So I wish you much success. And I think you really have the right perspective. And I think uh, a lot to be learned. So I appreciate your time. And thanks thank for teaching so me today. I appreciate and you too. Thanks. Talk to everyone. Okay, brother. Peace out. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.